This is Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me, find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my children... Listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, watching at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. 
but those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. So that was Proverbs chapter 8. Wisdom calling out to us. We're going to talk about uh, wisdom, but, but first, uh, which is a word that today is probably a little bit overused. Um, I, I, went to, I went to Amazon and I just put in artisanal and then nothing. I just left the, that was the only word that I searched for. And I found that you can buy everything that Amazon sells, they sell an artisanal version of as well. Um, soaps, chocolate, coffee, right? Those are kind of to be expected, but there were sandals, there was a shawl. Um, uh, what else? Oh, then there was this book um, called A is for Artisanal, which is an alphabet book for the modern hip baby. <laughs> um, so. We, guys, we got you guys the Jesus Storybook Bible instead of that one, but it was close. Um, but it, 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 our, the word artisanal, it, it brings up images of quality, right? Of, of, of craftsmanship, craftswomanship, uh, skill. It's something that has been made with skill. And I think there's an element of that that I want us to keep in mind as we talk about wisdom this morning. This notion of skill, of, of craftsmanship. The, the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokhmah. It's a good one for clearing your throat. And uh, outside of its common translation as wisdom, it was often used as well for uh, craftspeople, for people that were skilled in woodworking or in, in some sort of art or craft. Uh, it, 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 this was um, what they had. It was wisdom. It was skill. In fact... Uh, one of the first times that we encountered this word is in the Exodus, as God's people are, have left Egypt, they're setting out through the desert, and they're going to put together a tabernacle, this place for God to dwell, this place where uh, God's people can come and worship him. Um, God imbues these people with chokmah, with wisdom, with skill, to make the artifacts for the tabernacle. And so... Uh, for those of you who are artists, Bezalel is probably a significant figure for you. Maybe for some of us, that's a, an unfamiliar person. But uh, Bezalel was one of the first people who is said to have wisdom, to have this chokmah in all of Scripture. Uh, and this is from Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. So here we find the first mention of someone being filled with God's Spirit. And their being filled with the Spirit uh, fills them with wisdom and fills them with particular skills for doing their work. And I think as we consider wisdom, as we look at Proverbs in general and think about this, this idea of what does it mean to be a wise person, to live with wisdom, uh, I want us to keep together these ideas of being filled with God's Spirit. That's a part of it. Um, and the idea of, uh, of skill. 
Because I think that wisdom ultimately is to be skilled in the art of living. To live a wise life is to be good at living, to be skilled at it. Right? It's more than just gaining knowledge, learning things. So that's, that's a part of it, but it's more than that. It's about being skilled in the art of living. God's wisdom helps us to live this good life. Uh, and it's available to everyone. And it's applicable to every area of life. I don't know if the, the painting was a little hard to see. That was a painting of Lady Wisdom. Uh, and the scroll that she has, yeah, you can't see it at all, but uh, in the scroll here are um, all kinds of different areas of life, commerce, economy, family life, education, right, that wisdom is applicable to all of these areas of life. So just a couple of comments here on the passage. Um, you know, when we think of Proverbs, we probably think of those short, pithy sayings, right, just kind of one-sentence nuggets of wisdom, uh, but the first chunk of Proverbs is really the, it's these poems about the desirability of wisdom, the beauty of wisdom, the beauty of a, a life lived in wisdom. And that's what our passage this morning was from. Um, and, and Proverbs is, is less like the Ten Commandments, right? It's, it's not so much about these laws to follow as it is about observations about how life works best, about how to live this skilled kind of life, to be skilled in the art of living. And uh, and we heard this in chapter 8 about the way that wisdom is woven through all of God's creation, that wisdom was present with God in creation so that everything that God has made contains his wisdom. And so in order to live the good life, in order to live this rich skilled, artisanal life, uh, we have to pay attention to the way that God's wisdom is woven into creation. So one example might be for a farmer, because, well, none of us are farmers, but some of us garden. And uh, in order to be a good gardener or a good farmer, you have to pay attention to the way in which God's wisdom is woven into the natural order of creation. You don't impose your will on the soil and the plants you have to pay attention to how it works, right? You plant, you want to create conditions that are ripe for things to grow, so you have good soil, you want to make sure that there's sunlight and that you're watering regularly. You are paying attention, you're submitting yourself to the wisdom of how God has made the world. Similarly, um, I mean, so Bezalel was a skilled woodworker. I, in another life, would love to be a skilled woodworker. but I have, I have either heard interviews or talked to people who are skilled woodworkers. And one of the things that I've heard is, you know, they'll, they'll acquire this beautiful piece of wood and it'll just sit in their shop for years because they don't yet know what that is supposed to be. They don't yet know what this chunk of wood is, is supposed to become and they have to kind of learn about this particular kind of wood. What tree did it come from? Does it need to season for a while? Is this going to be best carved into a bowl because it can endure the rigors of a kitchen. You know, it can handle being washed and soap and all that. Or is this a, um, a, like a tender, resonant piece uh, of cedar that's uh, ideal for a guitar top that's going to, you know, vibrate with the strings and really amplify uh, music in that way. And so, listen, we'll, we'll pay attention to the wisdom that's embedded in creation uh, with this piece of wood before they just impose their will on it, right? You can't carve a guitar top out of walnut, it will sound terrible. But the same is true then for other areas of life, right? For parenting, that there is a way in which God's wisdom 
has been woven into what it means to parent well. And we have to pay attention to that. We have to submit to that instead of just imposing our will on what we think being a parent should look like. There's a, the wise person understands that God has actually made parenting to look uh, a certain way. Um, not uniform so that it looks identical, but nonetheless paying attention to that. Same with our relationships in our marriages, um, our, our work, our money, our speech, right? All these different areas. So one of the, um, I've talked a little bit here about, about submitting to this. And, and the way that Proverbs talks about that is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a refrain throughout the whole book of Proverbs. And we were talking about this in our community group this week. I don't know if the other groups um, spent time on this, but that the phrase, the fear of the Lord, um, doesn't sit real well with a lot of us. Uh, it, it, it seems to be in opposition to the notion that God is love. How do, we, how do we reconcile those two phrases? And I think the way that, as we talked about it, and the way that Proverbs speaks about what it means to fear the Lord, well, we talked about how this is different from being afraid. This is different from just being afraid of an unpredictable, angry God. Uh, but it has more to do with reverence and respect and humility and submitting ourselves to someone who understands the way the world works far better than we do. Again, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs are not promises. It's not so much if you do this, everything will always go right. Uh, they're more general observations. Proverbs is part of a, a larger wisdom tradition uh, that includes the book of Job and Ecclesiastes. So Proverbs is like, generally speaking, if you do this, this will happen. If, if you're wise with your money, you will, you will have money <laughs> to live. You will have the resources you need. Job and Ecclesiastes are kind of the other side of the coin, where they say, you know what? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. How do we make sense of that? And so when we're talking about the wisdom tradition of the Bible, we have to kind of take that all together. So these are not promises. They are general observations about how to live a skillful life, how to be skilled in the art of living. Now, if there was... uh, there are probably many, many different proverbs that we could say, like, this encapsulates the wisdom of our age, the wisdom of the world. Uh, but the one that I, I don't know, for my money, it's probably the most all-encompassing of the modern proverb for uh, the United States in 2019 is, hey, you be you, right? You do you. That's, that's the wisdom of our world. It's this complete, uh, perfect encapsulation of utter uh, autonomy, right? You are an, this autonomous individual, and you are, uh, you are the source of wisdom for you. And no one else can tell you otherwise, right? Anything that would claim to impose something from outside of us onto someone who thinks, no, I, I just got to be me, and you do you, that's the ultimate uh, truth for my life. Um, anything that would Im- impose something from the outside on that is, is pretty offensive, but this call to wisdom, wisdom calls to us and says, no, 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 I, I have your best in mind. I want life to be good for you. God wants life to be good for us if we would submit to him. And it's submission, that's a, that's a fraught word, I understand. But um, this is the posture, I think, of what it really means to, to fear the Lord, to, which is the beginning of wisdom. So... 
so wisdom is outside of ourselves. Uh, and, and I think that one of the beautiful things about this chapter that we heard is the way that wisdom is personified as this, this woman who's calling out. And it, it highlights for me the, the beauty of wisdom not being a checklist of things that we do, not being a, uh, uh, it's, it's different from the Ten Commandments. It, it's, it's not this checklist that we can check off. It's a relationship. There's a dynamic here that involves listening, that involves paying attention, that involves prayer and conversation. I love those who love me. Those who seek me find me. Right? There's a relational element here. This is, this is how we think of our relationship with God as well. God is a personal God, and we have a relationship with God. And as that relationship grows, God grants to his people wisdom. So I want to talk a little bit here at the end about how to be practical with applying this wisdom, with, with getting and applying this wisdom, living this kind of skillful life. Uh, there are many places, I think, that we can gain this kind of wisdom. Uh, as we were talking about with a farmer or a woodworker, part of it is, is paying attention to the world, right? This is the gift of science to us. We can gain wisdom through science. It's not the only source of wisdom. It's not the ultimate source of wisdom, but it's a significant one in which we pay attention to the world that God has made and we learn how God's wisdom is woven through the fabric of creation. In community, we have to listen to each other, right? I need to hear what my brothers and sisters have to say about me and my life. I need to submit myself to you all because you all see me more clearly than I see me. Of course, scripture is also another one. And um, I want to reflect just for a moment on, on one of the Proverbs that is in the vein of, of what we usually think of when we think of a proverb, a, a short, pithy saying. Um, and I really have very little comment on it. It's just one for us to consider, to dwell on for a moment this morning, because I think that it speaks very much to uh, the, the beauty of God's wisdom in our particular day and age. So I think this is one I have on the screen here. Proverbs twelve eighteen: The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I, I Truthfully, I, I mean, <laughs> for a little while and, and leave, and that would, be <laughs> that would be sufficient. If we could be the kind of people who are not like the first part of that sentence, but who are like the second part, what difference might that make in our world? to be that force of healing through our speech, through our words. Might that not be compelling to a world that seems more inclined to live in the first part? So scripture is one way that we, in a significant way, that we receive uh, and apply this, uh, this wisdom from God. He's given us his Bible, and this is a great gift. Another way that wisdom uh, gets built in us, and this again comes back to the relational nature here. We, we have a relationship with God that is dynamic. Uh, and this is one of the ways in which wisdom gets built into us, is that we pray. We come to God, and we, we lay our lives before him, and we also listen to him. 
We heard a little bit of this in chapter 8, Proverbs 8.34. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. And if, if you're like me, I think my initial steps into prayer are always um, sort of up here at the, well, this, that's not true. I'm going to contradict myself right away and say my initial steps into prayer are actually all over the map, if I'm honest. Um, but sometimes they can be sort of at this 30,000-foot spiritual level. And I, uh, the, the book of Proverbs is eminently practical. I mean, it just is full of practical, daily wisdom. Um, but I don't often take the opportunity to pray about the practical challenges that I face. And part of that is that I'm a good American and I think that I can overcome them. I have what it takes to overcome whatever obstacle is in front of me, except for the fact that I know that's not true by experience. Um, I want to invite Don Mills to come up. Don and I have had some conversations where he's expressed to me ways in which, uh, in which he, just through simple prayer, takes the challenges of his work to God in prayer to receive wisdom, trusting that God is a God who speaks and wants to share that wisdom. So thanks for coming and letting me interview you for a little bit. So Don, I, Don's house is actually where Sanctuary very first started some 14, 15 years ago. The church started meeting in your place long before I was here. Um, but maybe you could give us a sense of how you spend your days vocationally and maybe even just a little history of how you got there. Okay, Jesus. That, that's how I start most of my days. So I am the owner and the president, because I always wanted to be the president, of the Jesus and Me Amp Shop, which I'm going public with today. I think I've told Kathleen and a few people, it's the Jesus and Me Amp Shop. You can Google Golden Fi Amplification and see my real amp. So I build vintage tube guitar amplifiers. And I started this endeavor officially around 2012. But the, w the way it all transpires is paying attention to nature, paying attention to 110 volts that you plug in, and the next thing coming out is 650 volts. And I've been thrown against the back wall a couple times with that, <laughs> about once every year. But it's... it's uh, it's the relationships with the kind of people that play music today and use amplifiers that really is the key thing. So the amplifiers, I'll get an amplifier. I do the guitar repairs for the, amp, um, the guitar store, and I'll get an amplifier, and it's, and it's this wonderful partnership between me and Jesus very consciously that I'll put the amp, I'll say, okay, Jesus, let's see what we have going on in this amp. Open it up, usually fix it, Often, it's like, okay, Lord, I can't figure out what's going on in, with this one. And I'll go up and tell Kathleen, I'll go, well, that was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, you know, how, how I fix this. One in particular was a Fender, they call it the Evil Twin, big 100-watt Fender Twin amplifier, and they put these red knobs on it. And I fixed it for this guy named Chris Gorman, who runs Gorman Cellars. 
And you can buy a bottle of his evil twin. He named a bottle, 98 on the wine spectator. Very good wine. I get free wine, too, for doing this. <laughs> but here was an amp. I could not figure out what was going on. We did everything in the world to try, and I, I'd given up. And I said, okay, Lord. And I just had this thought. It was 10 minutes to 5 on a Friday, and I called Fender. And they won't talk to anybody if you're not a real Fender service guy. And I told this guy, hi, I've got this evil twin amp. And he said, hold on just a second. So I'm sitting there, probably 10 minutes on hold, poking with this thing with a chopstick because <laughs> it's 600 volts. And this very old person, I'm going to surmise because his voice was old, says, yeah, how can I help you? And I said, I've got this evil twin. And he goes, oh, okay. I'm the designer of that amp. Oh, wow. This guy had not been to the Fender factory in 20 years, just happened to come in to see what was going on for a visit. The designer of the amp, he says, he said, look at D122. Is there a diode there? And I said, no. He said, oh, you know, we didn't put those in on like the first 10, and you've got one of them. Put this diode in, it'll work. I fixed it. Well, I don't know if I fixed it, but I have a partnership. Yeah. I mean, that's just one of these bizarre yeah. things. I have a partnership with Jesus in doing this this fabulous amp repair business. Mm. Can I tell one more story? Yeah, please. So so here's the relationship side. I also so I also build amplifiers and this guy came to me and he he plays bluegrass. And I thought, wow, bluegrass amp and I just figured out how to make an acoustic guitar amp, which is far different than an electric guitar amp, and I loads and transistors and resistors and that kind of stuff. And this guy wants this bluegrass amp. And I'm going, okay, so we get to talking, like we always do. I say, well, come in my room. And on the back wall of my room, I have New International Critical Commentary and New Testament, all my Bibles, all kinds of Christian books, all kinds of other really conservative books that, that people... This guy owns one of the biggest pot shops <laughs> in Seattle. Four million years in re a year in revenue. And we're talking about taxes because it was last January. Bottom line is, I am probably the only person that can put a face of Jesus to this guy. Who in the church is ever going to invite a guy from a pot shop in? Anyway, we built this wonderful bluegrass amp. We call it the Bluegrass Special. And I have a relationship. He offered me pot, but I didn't take it. I'll take the wine, but not the pot kind of thing. <laughs> He said, yeah, we have free, uh, we're having free brownies this Wednesday night if you want to stop by the shop. I said, no, thanks. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah it's... No, well, so let me... Yeah, or, go ahead. Let me, ask, let me ask this question. I could talk So you, day. I know, and I, man, I, and I love talking to you about amps <laughs> as well. That's a shared passion. Um, so you are probably the only amp builder here at Sanctuary. We have... We have stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads. We have engineers. We have artists. We have teachers, people that work all over in all kinds of vocations. As people come across um, challenges in their vocation, because that is a common thing that we all have, what would be just a simple kind of how would you enter into a prayer around whatever problem that is? What would be just a, something that we might all... Okay, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I always start my prayer with, okay, Jesus. You know, I, I can't figure this out. 
I, th I think the theological idea is we invite Jesus into our lives, into our hearts. We need to invite Jesus, or I invite Jesus, into my vocation, which is building vintage tube guitar amplifiers and building vintage. I mean, I invite Jesus in. I talk to Jesus. I partner with Jesus. It's like Joseph and Jesus in the, you know, in the woodworking shop. And I don't think anything makes Jesus happier than having me or one of us say, Jesus, I want you to come in here and be with me today and hang out with me and, and do this with me. And I think the theological idea that is behind all this, I think we have this employer-employee kind of relationship, which we can have in whatever our vocation is, and, and we see God as the employer and we're the employee when it's exactly the opposite. Jesus comes and advertises himself to us as, as a servant, as someone who comes to help us. I'm the employer. I'm the president of Golden Fire Amplification, and the king of the universe wants to come and work with me or for me, and it's a fantastic experience. So it's really fun, and you can live your whole life like that by inviting Jesus to be part of that. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Don. Is that enough? That's great. great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I want to go and build amps now. I've got to grab my phone. Um, I want to invite us to a moment of prayer. I, I hope what happened in there is either A, you decided you want to quit your job and build amps. That might be a legitimate response to this. Uh, but hopefully what happened is that as you start to think about your vocation, at the, at the place where you spend most of your time, most of your day, what would it look like to truly, genuinely, humbly come to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me with this. Help me with this relationship at work. Help me with this technical problem. Right? If wisdom is embedded in the creation of the universe, if God embedded his wisdom in there, then certainly Jesus, president of creation, knows something about electronics and electrical engineering in order to make these amplifiers work. And so how would we genuinely put that faith to work in our work? So I want to lead us into a time of prayer with a, um, a prayer that Thomas Merton wrote that I think for me encapsulates this uh, this hunger for wisdom, this desire for God to lead us and to direct us. So let's pray together and then we'll come to the table. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me, and I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear. 
for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone.